0: Hello and welcome to the eWellbeing Youth Podcast with your hosts Raquel and Charlotte.
1: This is the podcast on all things mental health where we talk to young people about topics impacting youth wellbeing.
0: eWellbeing is a youth
1: mental health platform brought to you by YMCA Dancing Group. In today's episode, we'll be talking about relationships.
0: Just a quick content warning before we start the podcast. Please be mindful that in this episode we will be discussing subjects of a sexual nature and we will be talking about topics that some listeners may be sensitive to. Now on with the podcast. So in today's episode we'll be handing over to our guest host and e-wellbeing youth ambassador Fiona. Hi, I'm Fiona and I'm an e Ambassador, and
2: today we're joined by the WISE Ambassadors, Lily, Jessica and Ashwin. YMCA WISE project is all about educating young people on aspects of healthy relationships. During lockdown, their youth volunteers have been creating content around topics that aren't necessarily taught in school sex education lessons, such as online safety, consent, toxic behaviours and boundaries. We're going to have a chat about relationships today, but first, can you tell us a little bit about WISE and what you WISE Ambassadors do?
3: Hi, I'm Lily. I'm a WISE Ambassador. I mean you've summed it up quite well already. The WISE um, project aims to help young people stay safe in their relationships so that covers things like staying safe online, talking about consent, um, healthy relationships, um, pornography, sexual health, loads of stuff like that. Um, And then the WISE ambassadors um, work to educate around this area so we started off designing workshops to run in schools but then with the last year that's kind of taken a bit of a turn and now we make more online content um so lots of stuff on instagram or we make workbooks um for schools um so they can kind of have their own resources to use with their students rather than us having to go in and get in contact with people
2: yeah that's really interesting so why would you say it's important to educate people on sex ed and relationships
4: hi i'm ashwin uh, i am a wise ambassador so, um, I feel like education in general is extremely important. And, um, when you look at education from a prevention point of view, it becomes even more important because, like you mentioned, in our society, when it comes to positive relationships, consent, idea of a healthy relationship or healthy behavior traits, people don't usually have a very concrete idea of what they are portraying. So, um, we as at YMCA basically work On content that focuses and highlights these traits because uh, we believe that uh, it is important that young people are made aware of all of this from a very young age and they are empowered so the entire idea is to make them aware in a non-judgmental manner so that they can take their decisions in their own um, to the best of their capabilities Uh, another thing that I feel strongly about is um, when it comes to sex education when it is the resources are not really available online and but if you look at access to porn and when you look at analytical porn it is available to young people from a very young age from different websites so just imagine if the same understanding or if the same platform is given to sex education what difference would it make to a life of a young individual on what kind of a positive attitude would they have in their life towards relationships towards their partners and in general towards their friend circle So I feel it is important that sex education um, be strongly implemented within the school curriculums or in um, college curriculums. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's a really good point in that, you know, there's, there's so much that is available online that, you know, maybe is giving quite, you know, troubling information and stuff that maybe isn't helpful, but then it's not being addressed in school. So, you know, being able to have that information and that support out there can be can make a big difference.
0: Yeah, and taboos as well, because it's a big taboo, isn't it? You can't, it's really difficult to navigate that as a young person. You know, if you're seeing porn online and that's like your sort of first foray into the digital world, um, it's a lot for a young person to like cope with on their own and they might feel ashamed to talk to somebody about it.
2: And set like really unrealistic expectations as well. So I think it's good to have the education around it.
1: So moving on to our next question. Um, So we're going to talk about the impact of lockdown and Although we're not in lockdown anymore, we're still living in socially distanced times and quite a lot of relationships are affected by this. So have you got any advice about creating boundaries, perhaps with partners or with housemates and friends while trying to socially distance?
5: Hi, I'm Jess. I'm a wise ambassador. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of people try and navigate boundaries during lockdown to like different degrees of success, I'd say. Um, Probably... to put it back to basics it's just like deciding for yourself what those boundaries are before trying to navigate them with someone else um like thinking what you're comfortable with and even as like lockdown restrictions ease and things some people will be more comfortable with say normal life than others Um, it's still it's still a pandemic and different people have different um perceptions of risk so yeah like deciding what your boundaries are and then trying to communicate those boundaries effectively with your partner um, and explaining why, like the place that they come from um, and listening to their boundaries and trying to understand why they have them um, and validating that because if, if it's someone's boundary, it's, it's not about you. And then I guess in terms of relationships, just embracing new ways of interaction, if um, If you do have different boundaries, if someone's more comfortable with one thing than another, just finding a way around it that is a bit different. Um, I know that when me and my partner were living in separate places um, in lockdown, we weren't, we were allowed to see each other but at like two meters. And trying to do that when you're used to living so closely with someone is really difficult. Um, So we just started hiking because it was something that we could do outside and we're keeping busy so it's not drawing attention to the fact like oh I can't hug you or anything um yeah and it just it just made like a new hobby and I think there must be lots of different things like different more creative ways perhaps that people could say this is what I'm comfortable with this is what I'm comfortable with and surely there's a place that if you both respect each other's boundaries there must be a place somewhere in the middle of that yeah that makes sense
2: and I guess there's a lot of relationships as well. You said you're lucky enough that you could meet outside, but while the distancing rules were going on, lots of people couldn't travel. So have you got any advice for people that are in long distance relationships that maybe don't have the luxury of seeing each other in person at all?
4: I think it is important to be patient with, the, with your partner or you might be in different time zones or different places. You might have different work priorities. So it is important that you be respectful and patient with them and also their boundaries. And at the same time, it would also help if you can start maintaining a journal so as to write down your thoughts. If there is something insecure that you feel that, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, my partner or I are fighting and it's not working out, it's better to write your thoughts down, sort it out, and then maybe have a dialogue with your partner and then be like, okay, you know what? This is something that's bothering me. Do you feel the same? Or do you think we can, you know, work our way through this? So I think it's important that small, small moments be cherished when you are in a long distance relationship. And at the same time, uh, it is also important that you sort out your thoughts and by writing it down or talking to a third person, often a third person perspective really helps.
2: Yeah, it sounds like communication really is the most important thing there, isn't it? And acknowledging that it's difficult for everyone at the moment, I suppose, and that it's not normal times and you have to work around that. But I suppose because of that, lots of relationships have also broken down during lockdown, which I can imagine is way more difficult because you don't have the distractions that you'd usually have. So if you've got any advice on how you can look after your mental health after a breakup, if it's happened during lockdown or in general.
4: Um, As I mentioned, writing down your thoughts in a diary, so maintaining a journal really is helpful. And also at the same time, giving time to yourself to process the emotions that you have encountered. In general, just giving yourself the time to feel emotions and to accept the fact that, okay, you know what, I am in this position now. So I think just validating your emotions and your experience is important. Prioritizing self-care, exercising, and proper nourishment to yourself. Because often we just tend to punish our body. We Our body needs to be nourished because it is also going through a lot at the moment, emotionally, physically. And it is important by doing all the three, we can sort of release endorphins, which would make us happy, which would make us feel good. Seeking mental health care from a therapist, as I mentioned earlier, Talking to a third person often helps because the therapist would help you channelize your emotions, thought processes and insecurities in a positive manner. And at the same time it is important to understand that therapy is not something which will just do its magic overnight. It is something of a process which takes place gradually. So you need to be patient to lay you know, let it take let it take its turn. And one thing that I feel is extremely important is uh, to stay away from social media. And social media detox is something that I strongly recommend to people who are, um, you know, trying to get out of a relationship or have broken up. Because I feel content on social media at times can be so unrealistic. It may be triggering to people. Whatever progress that you've made over a period of time might just become undone. Have some personal time offline away from your gadgets and things. And, you know sort of engage in reading going on for going out for walks and let the nature do its
2: healing yeah i think the social media cleanse in particular is a really important point i know When I broke up with my boyfriend, I found that I sort of ended up posting things like on purpose to be like, look what I'm doing. I'm having a good time sort of faking it on the outside. But it was when you said about accepting your emotions, it was when I accepted it and thought, you know what, this is rubbish and it doesn't feel good. But what can I do to make myself feel better and actually to feel better rather than it just to make it look like you feel better, I think is makes it the process so much easier.
4: Each person has a different way of coping with things.
0: Yeah, I think it's about that balance of like feeling empowered by getting up and doing stuff that make you feel good, but also just allowing yourself to sit in your feelings. And, you know, if you want to eat some ice cream or whatever, if that's, if you want that to be your coping mechanism, then like absolutely go for it and enjoy it. The way that social media and the media in general portrays relationships can be really unhelpful and like lead to unhelpful expectations. Um, how can we manage this? Have you got any advice?
4: So, um, of course, when you look at social media, the relationships are portrayed in a very glamorized or a very polished way that, you know, it makes you look like as okay, this person or this couple is so picture perfect. Nothing can go bit wrong between them. But it's important to draw a distinction between what's real and what's real because for them, it's their job. They are social media influencers. They are in this profession to portray a certain image. So it's important to understand the difference between the two and um i also feel like you know when you're looking at somebody you scrutinize your own relationship you feel like okay you know what this is not there in my you know with my partner i i am not doing this or my partner is not doing this so this results in a lot of issues of or emotions like jealousy fighting anger body image issues which is these days of you know one of the main reasons people are insecure it is not fair to your partner that whatever you are digesting online you subject them to that because they don't know what you're seeing so it's unfair to them so it, it's really important that you have your time divided between offline and online content things online give a very unrealistic expectation of things it, it relationship is not about everything being goody all the time it is about making things work over a period of time, but at the same time, being there for each other, appreciating the green flag, and at the same time, working your way through the red flags in your relationship. And um, that is something I feel is important to acknowledge and realize. So I feel communication is the key here.
2: I read something the other day actually about Instagram, and obviously it's an amazing place and can give such good things, but to remember that you're watching someone's highlights of their life, you're not watching every day inside and out. And you can't compare your entire life up and down to someone's highlights that you see on social media and i think that's really important to remember and to educate people on like in, to kind of counteract the
5: like kind of false images of relationships and stuff we might see online like one of the most important things we we could all do i guess with people we trust is just to like be more comfortable with talking about the not so pretty bits of relationships even just with friends and things just just so that like that reality check of going, I'm in this relationship, it's not always perfect. Do you find this? And just being comfortable with being able to say, yeah, like this is a problem and finding, finding ways around it. But yeah, it all comes back to communication, but just in our, in our real lives as well, being able to talk about the not so pretty things to kind of give people that perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think if people don't talk about these things, then it's easy for you to go, oh, well, you know, it's not. it must be normal. No one else is talking about it. So it must be normal that this is happening in my relationship. And actually, sometimes just a conversation with a friend, they can be like, whoa, actually, that's not cool. You know, well, let's, let's deconstruct this. What's going on here? What's the deeper issue? So I think definitely sharing the good bits and the bad bits is important. Kind
3: of building on that, it can make small issues seem a lot bigger if you maybe have some a little niggle in your relationship and you can't talk about it or you're worried about what your friends might think then that can kind of snowball into something bigger because then you do deal with it in a way that's not the most healthy and then it can become worse and if you just spoken about it in the first place kind of gets off your chest and problem shares a problem halved and all that kind of thing (laughs) yeah no I mean people say it but it is true
2: isn't it so a lot of us are spending a lot more time online and young people may find themselves forming relationships with people that they don't know. What are the potential dangers of online relationships and how can we stay safe while engaging in those?
5: Yes so um, WISE have created a, a really well, we have created a resource around some of like the key um, problems that we thought People might experience online. Um, And we did it in a way, we didn't want to put people off forming relationships online because especially in those times, like it's it's one of the only ways a lot of people have to form relationships. So like by no means um, are we saying that it's not a good thing or it can't be a really good thing. Um, I think it's just about being confident in spotting behaviours that might indicate unsafe relationships, I guess. If people are doing things like being pressuring, not responding to your boundaries appropriately, um, asking for too much personal information straight away, just things like that to just bear in mind when you're interacting on those spaces. And again, it comes down, we keep saying communication, but I think it does. Understanding in your head before you go into an online space, what you're comfortable with, what you've will feel safe with and stick into those things so then if you go okay I'm comfortable interacting with this person but I I know I don't I don't want to give them information about where I live where I go to school that kind of thing understand that in your head first and then you'll be much stronger if if the situation arises to say "Ah, that's where I'm clocking out because that's that's too far and there are some there are some websites I know SIOP Um, C-E-O-P is the child protection police website and if you if something does happen that you're not quite sure on it doesn't file an official report or anything but you can just get some advice from from um, like a child protection advisor so they'll just go oh that's okay or that's not okay do you want any support with that Um, so that's quite a good place to just check if you're unsure about some behaviors.
1: You know, some people do enter into these conversations with people, especially at the moment. It's kind of the only way, or has been for the last year, to talk to people and maybe form relationships. And sometimes, if you're not prepared, kind of going into it thinking, "Okay, what's my boundary?" You can get caught off guard. And I feel like there's something to be said about your gut feeling. If your gut is saying, "Oh, I'm really not comfortable with this," I would say trust your gut. But I think having that preparation as well beforehand is a really, really, really helpful thing to do.
3: Yeah, I think remembering that you kind of don't owe anyone anything online is really important that people often talk about ghosting and not replying to people's messages and how that's seen as a bad thing or or rude but if you don't really have another way of saying no I'm not comfortable sharing this information then that's completely okay and you don't owe someone a reply just because they've asked you a question.
1: Yeah, that's a really good yeah. point, because, you know, and some people, if someone hasn't taken no for an answer, even though no, no is an answer, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do to keep safe and, and not give away information you're not comfortable with.
0: Absolutely. And that block button always exists as well. <laughs> I
2: think there's such a taboo even around blocking people and ghosting people, like you just said. But if your safety is first and if they are violating your boundaries, then you're well within your rights to do that. Like you said, you don't owe them anything at all. Well that ties in, ties in nicely with the next question actually about red flags because the term red flags comes up a lot in today's society and it gets thrown around quite a lot but it can also be really unhelpful in the way that it's used so do you have like a definition of a red flag and like how to spot them?
5: Um, I think I think generally there are, there are lots of kind of universally decided red flags that you see online a lot aren't they like almost like tick lists. So if someone does does one of those, then that's meant to be something that you were meant to have seen all along. I think that's probably one of the main problems is that you can often only see the red flags in hindsight after the relationship is over or when it's got really bad. And then the idea that you've missed a red flag is it, it brings it back to that person, doesn't it? Like, oh, you didn't see this. So it's almost mm. your fault and yeah. then it it it's very it's very there's a victim and there's a perpetrator, and the perpetrator is supposed to have known that they they did these like bad behaviors, and then it's meant to be on the victim to go, "Oh, that's a red flag." I think most relationships are more equal than that, and um people engage in all kinds of like good behaviors, bad behaviors throughout a relationship and I think labeling labeling something a red flag stops that conversation around or like why did that have that happen? Why did you react in that way? What was the context of that behavior? and it it stops it being like a learning point. I'm not saying there there are definitely behaviors that are toxic and are repeated, but I think yeah, the red flag thing assumes that someone does a certain action and that means that they're unable to grow from that experience or it's on the other person to make a a decision
2: yeah that's really interesting and I think like you said it's a 50 50 thing and there's probably things that we've all done that maybe might have been a red flag to one person but not to another person but that communication around it how are you ever meant to learn if someone just completely cuts you off or if you're unaware that the behavior that you're doing is a stereotypically red flag to someone else so I think communicating that is really important and just saying, actually, I didn't mm-hmm. like that you did that. Why did you do that? Exactly like you said, communicating that and how it made you feel. I think that's a really good um saying
5: your action made me um I feel this way is a really like um non confrontational way of, of telling someone that something they've done made, has made you uncomfortable because instead of saying you did this, you're saying that made me feel like this and often that can open up for like more conversation and more communication because otherwise the other person's immediately on the defensive.
3: I think that's um, even more important as well thinking about people in long distance relationships or where you can't see people in person because online things can get lost in translation a little bit so I know when I first met some of my friends they said that I came across really blunt or direct on messenger just because I didn't use emojis or something like that and you'd think that someone you're in a relationship with you kind of know how you communicate but if you've gone from seeing someone in person a lot and now all your communication is online um, yeah that's even more important.
1: Yeah that's a really good point because there can be that shift you know as we were saying earlier that you you spent loads of time together and kind of built your relationship on that that's what you're used to and then to suddenly go to we can't see each other and it's all virtual or all online it's it is quite a shift and and the way people communicate you know through messages can be really different to how they would in person
2: So say people have an expectation if you spend a lot of time with someone in person and they're a certain way around you you have that expectation that it will be the same long distance or via messages and stuff but I've certainly got some friends that when I see them it's like I saw them yesterday but Mm. if I text them oh it's a nightmare (laughs) but you just have to get to learn that about people
3: don't you? People talk a lot about um, love languages at the moment and I see that online a lot but a lot of it's about like touch or giving gifts but I think there's also like a language of communicating online so some people maybe you send each other Instagram posts or you send each other TikTok videos and that's the only way you communicate online and sometimes you'll FaceTime someone so it's just like relearning all of those different ways of communicating with people. It's good as well not to
2: compare like that is how you communicate and that is perfectly good with all of you but If you then communicate with another friend by texting them loads and FaceTiming all the time, it doesn't make you any better of a friend. It's just those different ways of communicating and not having that pressure that if you don't want to text and be on your phone all the time, just voicing that and saying, actually, I'm just going to have today off my phone. It's not, I'm not being rude. I'm not ignoring you. I just need that space
0: and voicing your boundaries. Again, communication is so important, especially at the moment. Mm. And I feel like there's been a lot of stuff online going around being like after the pandemic, you'll know who your real friends are. They were the ones who texted you and they were the ones who called you. And actually, you know, people are really struggling right now. And if they can't call and text, and if it takes Mm. them five to seven business (laughs) days to get back to you, then like that's okay because, you know, everyone needs to like be protecting them their own energy right now. And yeah, I agree. Especially at the beginning of lockdown in the summer
2: everyone was doing the zoom quizzes and zoom group calls and that was every week me and my group of girlfriends were having a zoom call quiz every week and it just got to one week and we were like i just i can't be bothered and it's not because you don't want to see them or communicate it just it becomes a lot of effort and can be really exhausting but again it's just about talking about that not just being like oh, i'm not going to show up but now we don't do it at all you're lucky <laughs> if you get all of us together ever <laughs> I've always seen there's a
4: pattern that people say, oh, I'm so sorry. I've not been able to reach out. But like, you know, the constant need to apologize because you've taken the time to text just because you were not in the mind frame or not in the headspace to actually reply to somebody or, you know, put an effort to having conversation with them. I don't personally feel there's a need to apologize. But I've seen that by the virtue of the pandemic, I've seen a lot. I myself have been doing that a lot. Okay, we need to normalize that it's okay to take time, you know, to get back to somebody within a within a day or two and that's totally fine because your mental health is more important than you know replying to somebody
1: yeah and there's this sort of sense of having to try to justify having that time to yourself and having a break and sort of having to apologize because you've done that and it's like no I needed it I don't need to justify that yeah
2: I always say to my friends in particular I guess this is sort of a boundary I'm like I'm awful on my phone i Sometimes I'll reply in seconds and sometimes I will take five to seven working days. But I'm like, if you need me, call me. If it's urgent, call me and I, if I can answer, I will. And I think that's where I lay my personal boundary. Like if it's an emergency and you need to get hold of me, just give me a ring.
0: Don't text me. <laughs> in the pandemic, I think that people have found it very hard to just say, actually, I think everyone's felt like they need to be spending, putting more energy into their relationships because they haven't got much else going on. And so I feel bad to say, oh, actually, I don't want to call tonight. I keep thinking, oh, but they'll just, they know that I'm just sitting here watching TV instead (laughs) because there's nothing else to do. But I think that's okay as well. You know, that's a a self-care thing, isn't it? Yeah, and sometimes like if you've got, your own problems happening
2: it's a lot to take on somebody else's as well even if they are your friend sometimes you might in that on that particular day is it would just be too much and you're like actually can we have this conversation tomorrow or something and i think that's really important to do as well like you are your own priority at the end of the day
1: yeah i think there are is, there is a bit of pressure online to kind of what you're supposed to be doing at the moment and you know what what's supposed to be how you're communicating but you know actually there are some really helpful you know accounts out there or people online that that can remind us that yeah it's okay to have a break and it's okay to do what you need to so I was wondering if you know of any you know people that we can follow for more sort of helpful and realistic inputs into relationships at the moment?
3: Yeah, I think in terms of like romantic relationships, it's actually quite hard to find accounts that share a lot of details about their relationship because I guess like we were talking about earlier, people don't necessarily want to share all the intimate details of their relationships if they're kind of struggling with something it's not necessarily like an open conversation um but our instagram account is obviously amazing um so that's at ymca wise um and then someone else that i really like which is maybe less so relationships and more kind of about body image but they kind of touch on lots of issues in relationships is Jess Greenash. Um, She's just really personable and funny and seems quite relatable.
4: I follow Jamila Jamil. She's South Asian, British comedian and a celebrity so her podcast on I Way," that really is lovely and I think the kind of content also she advocates for and especially the body image issues that she highlights because having herself gone through something like that in her early 20s and, you know, so she is sort of speaking from her personal experience and she also strongly speaks for the people of colour. So I feel like, I think I would strongly recommend her channel.
5: I follow an Instagram account um, called My Boyfriend Has Herpes and it's it's a nice. illustrator. She does really cute cartoons, but basically um, she just... um kind of answers like taboos and assumptions and myths around dating someone with herpes or with an s with an std and in a really nice like pretty way because they're really nice drawings um just goes over things like oh how do we have safe sex or how do how should you tell your sti status to a partner and just things that really i've never seen anyone else talk about online they do like They do so really eloquently through these cartoons. So it's a fun one.
1: That sounds brilliant. Because there's so much stigma around herpes and you know there's there's so many stereotypes around it. But actually, you know, conversations need to be had because, you know, realistically a lot of people do have it and it's something that's manageable and you know it it, it's part of relationships and it needs to be talked about.
2: It is such a big taboo about it as well assuming that you get it from having being really like promiscuous and sleeping with loads of people but actually it only takes one time one person for that to happen it's not always doesn't mean that you go around sleeping with loads of people it just sometimes it just happens that way
0: and you sort of already touched on this but this is your time to tell us all of the amazing things that you guys do so what resources are available that the wise ambassadors have created. Will you tell us a bit about them?
3: Yeah, so I guess we'll start with the Instagram. So we have um lots of like little infographics and resources on the Instagram. So um we've done some stuff about OnlyFans um and we've done a series of posts about kind of toxic behaviors and toxic traits in relationships um, and recognizing them. So there's loads of good little things on the Instagram and then in terms of more like workbooks we've got staying wise online so that's about online safety and kind of thinking about your boundaries on social media and how to kind of step back and take a break off of that um so we've got a staying wise online workbook an only fans workbook and a consent workbook as well and there's smaller versions for all of them on the instagram
2: and have you got anywhere where young people can go for sexual health support? Yeah,
5: so two websites that
2: I've always quite liked. There's Brooke. Um,
5: they do a lot of um, sex education in schools and stuff, but their website's really easy to use, and you can make it age-specific as well. Um, and the NHS have one that's called Let's Talk About It. And, again, it's it's similar information information. Um, But also you can put in your location and it will tell you like the nearest young people's um, sexual health centre to you. So that's quite useful. Um, You can also get online testing kits are really easy to get at the moment um, from the NHS. Literally, they'll just fill out a form online and they'll send you a bag and you can just do it at home and it's
2: completely anonymous think it's important to add as well if you maybe live with parents or people that you don't want to know if you order a test kit online it comes in really discreet packaging like it doesn't have sti check written across it or anything like that Mm -hmm. it just comes in like a little bag so no one no one will know that is a very important point thank you fiona
5: um in brighton um there's there's shack so morley street um do a specific under 20s drop-in on Wednesdays at the moment, 1.30 till 6pm. So you can just go there and they can help you out with testing, emergency contraception. Um, they distribute, they're, they're a C-card distributor as well. Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say they, they were the, the main ones I can think of.
0: Yeah, that's really useful. And the C-card scheme for anyone who hasn't heard of it is a card that you can get that can get you free condoms if you go to a registered provider So that will be like pharmacies and places like Morley Street. And if you're listening to this in the future, um, just check the website for the opening hours as well, just before you go. So that's
2: it for today. Thank you all so much for coming and for contributing. It's been so, so useful. But we hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you found it useful. And again, yeah, thank you so much. Thank
3: you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Okay, folks, thanks for listening. And thanks so much to the Wise Ambassadors for joining us. We had such a nice time talking to them. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it around. And remember,
1: if you need some support with your mental health, our website is full of tips, ideas, and easily accessible support for young people. Check it out at e-wellbeing.co.uk.
0: And before you go, make sure to follow us on our socials. For Instagram, that's at underscore ewellbeing, And that's the same for Twitter. And for Facebook, it's just ewellbeing.